You're listening to the Run the Riot podcast, where we talk about all things ultra running. I'm your host, David Terrio, and man, I'm pumped that you are here. Let's see what we can get into today. Hey there, all my friends. I hope you're doing great. I hope you're getting some runs in and just having a having a good time. And uh, thank you for taking Run the Riot podcast on the trail with you or on the road with you or wherever you're running or in the car with you, wherever you're at. Uh, today, we've got a special guest named William Sprouse, a.k.a. Iron Will. I met Will when I first started doing 100 milers. My, in fact, my first ultra, uh, he was there and I began to see him at the, at Louisiana races uh, here and there. And then when I moved to Oklahoma, I started even seeing him at the Kansas races and he, he is all over the place uh, just knocking out 100 milers. And he's a super interesting guy. He owns restaurants. He he works uh, maintenance uh, for a retirement home. He owns and flies an airplane. So just all these things. And um, and he's had an interesting start with ultra running. Uh, I'll just give you a little, little sneak preview. Uh, he got in a motorcycle accident, broke 46 bones and kept running. So anyway, um, we're going to talk to William Sprouse today, Iron Will. And uh, just real quick, this uh, podcast is brought to you by T8 Running Gear. You can go to t8.run to see what they've got. Um, the, the the coolest thing are the commando shorts. If you got issue, look, it's going to get, it's getting hot. You sweat and you chafe. All right. Sometimes on the inner thighs, just different places. And their commando underwear their shorts that go underneath your your running uh shorts are amazing uh I, I tested out a pair wore them for many miles and they are super comfortable and great and they're guaranteed chafe free so check out t8.run use the discount code 50 dash run the riot and if uh you can't remember the information just go to www.runtheriot.run and there'll be a link there that you can click on and that code 50 dash run the riot all right guys let's get started and here we go with iron will All right, so Will, you, you had a busy day today. Uh, it sounds like, man. So tell me, tell me what you do. I, you, you know, I know you own restaurants, and and tell me what else you do. Just, just a little bit about you, man. Sure. So um, currently, well, since 2016, I hadn't worked for anybody for over a decade. Well, actually, it was two decades. I was just my own boss, but. I'm a head of maintenance at a retirement home, and basically I do um, plumbing, electrical, refrigeration, uh, just general construction, drywall, roofing, concrete, anything from A to Z. Oh, wow. Um, so that's that's my daytime job. I typically work at 6 to 2 or 5 to 1. I usually try to run for an hour or two in the afternoon, and then I go into the restaurants either at four or five and help them out, um, you know, as needed. Uh, so, uh, I don't, you, yeah, you own uh, the restaurants, you own some restaurants. Yeah. So like, what, yeah. Like, so my background is I, when I was 14 years old, I started working for McDonald's restaurants, the fast food McDonald's. 
Um, I moved up to management by the time I was 16 years old. I was still in high school, um, of course, playing yeah. sports, and I worked for them pretty much full time. I went on went into college in the aviation field. I, I went to college for aviation maintenance and also a pilot. Um, I I hooked up with that my owner McDonald's was a retired TWA pilot. And him and I made a connection in aviation. And he pretty much started in the summertime paying my way through business school before I'd even graduated through high school. And he used me for management from when I was about 16 to 18 years old. Plus, I was then I started going to college and he sent me the McDonald's uh, Hamburger U in Oak Brook, Illinois, which actually was very impressive as far as the professors there and stuff, but you had to be 18 years old to graduate. So I was the youngest person and you had to have a diploma, 18 and a diploma. So I graduated in when I was 18 years old in May. And then the first week of June, I graduated from the college, but I'd been getting all my credit hours built up through the summers, through the prior years. I had to go through equipment school learn everything from A to Z on the equipment and learn just every aspect of the operation. So I was actually a licensed owner and operator of a McDonald's. Uh, went down to Arkansas, took a job down there, had three McDonald's under me. Two two of them were in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. One was in Stuttgart, Arkansas. I worked for McDonald's for a while. I didn't really care for the area down there. So when my oldest got into um kindergarten age when he's getting ready to go to school we looked to move back and mcdonald's was going to open up a store in a town to the north of me they had the property and they wanted me to open it and run it um however they got into some type of squabble with the townspeople and it was rezoned and they decided not to go into that town so i looked at um a pizza place that i really was impressed with the product i thought it was the best pizza i'd ever had it was called bredo pizza and i know people from missouri and iowa they started in iowa then they moved their headquarters to st joe missouri and i bought into bredo pizza in 1996 and then i developed a few stores with them and uh, then i decided in uh, 2011, I had a 15-year contract, so it went from 96 to 2011. I decided mm-hmm. not to renew with them. I sold off all the stores except for one and went with my own recipes and called that Toss and Sauce Pizza. So I had a, um, a competition clause slapped on me where I couldn't work within a 10-mile radius in my store for two years. So my family ran the store because they weren't on the contract. And outside the 10-mile radius, I put a store up in Chapman, Kansas. And the latest thing I've done is I've developed it into what I call Aid Station Pub, which it's actually it's got a bar attached to it with uh, wings as our specialty. But it's a unique sports bar in that it's all running material. It's got, like, all my buckles displayed my bibs under epoxy tables and bars and i'm basically just making a run-in sports bar so and it's kind of kind of unique (laughs) yeah no kidding where where, where is this in kansas where is it uh, chapman kansas it's right off the interstate i-70 our our big store is in um abilene kansas and i may develop 
you know, it, it, into a bar at some point. Um, but in Chapman, Kansas, which is the, the town where I graduated from high school, I've, uh, I'm kind of still, I got a, another area I need to remodel and then I'm working on the back outdoor seating on the back side of it. But we, we currently can seat about 50 people in the part that I have remodeled right now. And it, we just opened it this year and it was just really, uh, taken off. We have about 24 different kinds of beer, uh, 10 beers on tap. Most of them are craft beers. We have, uh, four IPAs to choose from some pale ale, sour beers, um, you know, blonde beers, uh, just mainly craft beers. We do have a few regular stuff, like we'll have the Bud Light and Coors Light and stuff, but it's mainly, um, more craft beers. So. Gotcha. So, well, well uh, right now, how, cause, um, I mean, you guys are, are just north of us, uh, there, you know, in Oklahoma and Kansas and we're in, they're kind of opening things back up. How, how has this affected, you know, your restaurants? So basically when the Corona thing hit, Kansas was actually one of the first states to shut down. I think it was around March 14th or 15th. And, um, we're only allowed carry out and delivery. So we're not doing any beer sales right now. Um, I think they're talking about reopening on the third of next month, but we've, we were scheduled to reopen before and they extended it. So right now we're just, we've went to, um, which it's our bread and butter is pizza delivery. So our stores do pizza delivery Mm -hmm. and we're delivering our bar menu with the wings and stuff. We have um, 10 different kinds of flavors of wings right now, but it kind of, it pretty much crippled us because we took off like a rocket. We had a lot of people in there coming in for wings and beer. And then just suddenly it was just shut down, but they've been supporting me by getting to go orders and, and delivery. We just can't sell the alcohol right now. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, uh, the, I mean, yeah, the good, the good thing is, um, like today I, I got to notice that, you know, where I cut my hair, they're opening up, you know, they've got it. Mm-hmm. I guess they're going to have some restrictions and, and uh, it sounds like here in the area, you know, they're going to start opening some, some things up with, you know, uh, kind of slowly. And so, so that's, that's good. Hopefully that'll filter to you guys and, and, you know, you can figure out how to do the, some sit down eating and people, people actually being there, you know? <laughs> yes. And I might add um, one of my feature products, um, we call it a hundred mile pie and the story be. <laughs> We've got a we got a double crusted pie we call the super pie and it's basically a super supreme loaded where we hand toss one crust and then we put all the toppings in the middle and we hand toss a second and seal it over the toppings and it's baked like a pie. Nice. <laughs> but at any rate, I'm not a big black olive fan, so I was making this pie of the same ingredients except I was adding jalapenos in there because when mm. I first started running, I had um, Achilles tendonitis and that that type of issue so i'd read that peppers were great natural anti-inflammatories and i'm not an ibuprofen guy so i don't take anything um artificial so i try to do it with natural stuff so that was the reason for the jalapenos plus i like them but I, i'm one of those people that loves habanero too so i'm that jalapenos weren't really hot to me yeah <laughs> so i i had some guys from a town of salina kansas that i trained with and we go we go running and then we go into my restaurant in Abilene and uh, we had some beer and, and we 
I'd say, try this pie out. And they just raved about it. They go, you got to put this on the menu. So I did put it, listen to them. I put it on the menu and we serve it with sides of ranch, which we make in the house, fresh made ranch, um, to, where customers could kind of dip it in and cool off the jalapeno effect. <clears throat> but it's been a real big hit. So I called it the 100 mile pie. And what the story behind the 100 mile pie was, we would make a, like a medium and cut it in eight slices and refrigerate yeah. each slice into a Ziploc bag. And then when I ran through my aid stations, my wife would give me the Ziploc bag and I would run off eating a, a piece of pie <laughs> and it's, it's double crusted. So you can grab the top and the bottom and eat it, you know, like nice, a sandwich. Yeah. yeah. And so I just run off and it was a quick stop. I, I uh, talked to a guy, one of the first influences I ever had when I was back running marathons, I met Dean Carnassus and he okay, talked yeah. about, he would, Foldy. he would be running and he would carry a credit card and he'd have this place. He, I think he said it was round table pizza. They'd order, he'd order a Canadian bacon and um, pineapple pizza and they'd bring it to him and he'd pay him and then he'd roll the pizza up like a burrito and have them take the box back. <laughs> And he would yeah. just keep running, eating it like a burrito. Well, that was his big story. But anyways, mine is the double crusted. That's one reason I created the second crust was to be able to, you know, carry it without getting sauce and stuff all over your hands. So, and well, would you so. would you would you do it uh, with the with the jalapenos in it during the race too? Uh, yes, yes. I I'm, oh, wow. I'm kind of crazy in races. I I even drink, you know. A, decent amount of fireball throughout a race whether it's <laughs> daylight or night you know it but like i said i'm not a i handle hot stuff pretty well um i don't know i wouldn't do any habanero or nothing in a race but to me jalapenos may be like what green peppers are to now yeah. don't get me wrong there are some variations of jal- there's some really hot jalapenos out there like you can buy those ones in a jar that where they've, you know, put in with some yeah. extra spices and stuff. But, you know, I like ghost pepper, but I wouldn't try to do ghost pepper or habanero during a race. But jalapenos are pretty much like green peppers to me. With, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I ate a, the full shebang in the race. Um, I don't know if it really helped or not, but I'd studied that pineapple was a great natural and inflammatory, but it takes a large amount of pineapple. And I heard yeah. that peppers or studied that peppers were a better anti-inflammatory. It takes less of those to get the effect. And I can't yeah. say whether or not it worked or not. Maybe it was a menu yeah. thing. I don't know. Yeah. But they're good. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, they were good. And, uh, and the flavor is incredible. I mean, it's, it's got a, all the meats in there, you know, the sausage, beef, canine bacon, pepperoni, and all the veggies with the exception of um, black olives. And then you got that hot, uh, pepper taste in there and it, it it's a good flavor well so. i i know what i'm going to be trying if i uh if i ever drive through there <laughs> oh yeah next yeah. time you come to a kansas race let me know <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I have to check that out. Well, well, I, I want to get back to to I want to get back to your flying and stuff in a little bit. But you okay. know, for everybody for everybody that listening, I I know you know around uh, Oklahoma area and Kansas area, um, you know people know who you are. But I, I just want to give a little a little context to, to everybody listening. So the the first time I met you or or saw you was in two thousand and thirteen. 
um, when I did my first ultra, my, it was a hundred miler Cajun coyote. And that's the first time I, I remember like seeing you. And so you were, you, you were running that race and I was doing my first, so I was, you know, just, I was new to, to ultras and I was, you know, I was just doing my thing, you know, trying to, trying to survive, you know, and get, yeah. and, 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 and get it done. But after, you know, started going to some, you know, other races and doing some other things. And I started no- noticing you popping up quite, quite a bit yeah. everywhere. And so uh, I was like, who is this guy, you know, showing <laughs> up everywhere, running these races. And, and so, um, man, you, you know, I've got, got to know you a little bit and we've gotten to share, share some miles here and there. And, and, uh, man, your story is, and you even filled me in a little bit more when we knew we were going to do this interview. And so you, you've got right. a pretty, pretty interesting story. So, so before we even get to your, your, um, marathon running, you know, career or whatever, were you, were you athletic and, and all as a kid or, or give me the story on, on what brought, what brought you to, um, to start running and start doing something. Sure, I will. Um, so as a kid, I was very athletic. I played a lot of baseball, soccer, football, and I was a wrestler. And okay. I did do track, I- uh, but I absolutely hated distance running. I couldn't see how anybody <laughs> could possibly do distance running. So in track, I was a quarter miler. And one of the things they made the quarter milers do was one or two days a week, go run with the distance guys. And I just, it was just so horrible. And I, we faked it. We cheated it. We did everything just to get out because quarter miles just kind of balls to the wall. You start out running sprint and you sprint the whole way, you know, and there's no, there's nothing distance about it, but they'd make us run a couple miles with the distance guys, part of our training. And they tried to talk me even into the half mile. And that was just too far for me. So I kind of did like the, I did. I mostly did field events. Like um, I was a pole vaulter, a long jumper, and then we were only allowed four events. So I was a quarter miler and pretty pretty decent quarter miler. And so they used me for the quarter the sixteen hundred meter relay. So I I ran a leg in in that. So that, those were basically my four events. Um, so I had to run the quarter mile twice each track meet. So out of high school. I, I did play a little bit of intramural football for K-State in, I mean, just on the intramural team, not on the K-State football team. But gotcha. typically, and uh, I was going to K-State Aviation over in Salina, Kansas. And, you know, we drank a lot, ate a lot. Um, my life turned into buffets every day to to get my money's worth. You know, a lot, a lot of times I'd just <laughs> eat one meal a day and it was like all you could eat. And I ballooned up to, uh, well, let's see. I wrestled um, 155 my junior and senior year. And mm-hmm. my, within my first year of college, I was 230 pounds. And oh, wow. so I, I really put some weight on. And it, it just kind of kept creeping up on me. And I, when I was 35 years old, I weighed 308 pounds. And ironically, um, my dad was a marathon runner. He he was in the military for 24 years, and he ran on the army racing team. He ran marathons over in Europe and oh, wow. all over the place. And he he was a really good athlete. And I just never could comprehend on how he could run that distance. Well, <laughs> I, he had um, he was in Vietnam, and uh, you know there really wasn't any proof. But some of the people he was over there, they had some 
serious Agent Orange exposure, and pretty much all of them passed away of, they technically called it cancer, but his cancer started in his back, which was where they got hit with it. And yeah. it was officially called um, a melanoma. And my dad was tough. He he uh, didn't drink or smoke, which I, I don't smoke, but I do drink. But um, he was real hardcore on his diet, and he was a serious athlete, even even right before he got the cancer. So he he was a, he got it. It got into him internally, and he fought it off for twelve years. I mean, wow. and uh, and when it, I I just couldn't believe that it would take him down because he was so tough, and I was just devastated because we had a close relationship. Um, in my younger years of my life, I didn't know him much because he was at Vietnam and I was born in 69. So that kind of tells you the time frame there. Um, I was, yeah. you, you know, he, he came back to on leave, you know, see my mom and then I was born. And so I didn't know him my early years. So we had a, I was the oldest of four boys. And when he came back, you know, for good, we did, we bonded really, mm. really tight. And, uh, but I was devastated when he passed away and I was 35 years old, weighed 308 pounds and I had all kinds of health issues. I had sleep apnea, diabetes, um, high blood pressure. The doctors had been on me for a while that said, you know, if you don't change your life, you know, you're not going to live long. They basically told me that. And mm-hmm. like, I, if I went upstairs, I was completely out of breath. Sometimes at the flight, I, I, I still did construction and stuff, and they used to kind of give me a hard time when we carry drywall and stuff. It's pretty heavy stuff, but I'd have to stop and take a break because I was winded. I can't hardly breathe. Well, make a long story short, to cope with my dad's passing, I decided to start running. And I started running six six days a week and only taking Sundays off. And the first time I ever ran, it hurt a lot. I could only run one block. I'd run one block and I'd walk back. And I did that for six days. And by the time I I, I did that, and then I'd add on another block and so on. And by the time I was three months, so 90 days into this routine, I'd already built myself up to three miles a day. And I was running three miles a day, six days a week. And I kept adding on. And then I didn't know, I wasn't training for anything, had no plan. But I started running to where I got up to 10 miles a day and I was still doing this six days a week <laughs> Wow! and it felt good. But within it, it I remember it was about six months, my body weight had dropped from 308 to basically I was in the one sixties. My low was 152. So I'd lost over half my body weight. Wait, well, wow. So, so in six months in, you, you, yeah, you, you six wow. Months. So, so, yeah. I mean, where, where your, your family, I mean, that's, uh, that's a huge difference, and and I mean, was anybody? Cons- I mean, it's good, and and yeah, were they concerned about you a little bit though? I mean, that's a well, lot of running, and that's to happen what, a lot <laughs> quick. So what was really crazy about it was, um, at first I started dieting, and well, try I was a horrible dieter. I I, I couldn't. Well, so first I tried to eat just healthy foods, and I eat high protein like chicken and fish and all that. Well, when I started yeah. running, it it didn't matter what I did, what I ate. It seemed like I was just burnt. The calories are just melting off me. So I was yeah. eating 
large amounts. I was even doing stupid stuff. I was eating Cheetos and Swan's ice cream and all kinds of stuff. And <laughs> running 10 miles a day, I was still losing weight. So I was eating yeah. whatever I wanted. And when I started, so at one point I decided, well, heck with this, I'm going to just go run a marathon. And ironically, yeah. you're from Oklahoma. My first marathon was the Tulsa Route 66. So oh, okay. I, I went down there and I'd never, and I believe this was in 2006. Um, so I go down there and I'd never ran a marathon before, but I'd already signed up for the Dallas Wellstone Marathon, which was two weeks after that. So I go, well, I'm just going to use this Tulsa one for a trainer. And I ran it. I, I either just ran it in right under four hours or right around. And then I went two weeks later and ran the Dallas one. And I, I know I ran in the 350s. Nice. So I started this routine of where I was running mar- a couple marathons a month. And I was going to do all 50 states. And when I was at the Lincoln Marathon, I was running all over. I ran and I ran the rock and roll marathons and um, when I was at this marathon in Lincoln, uh, Nebraska, I met this guy on the elevator and his name was Dean Carnassus. And <laughs> we were talking and we went and had some drinks down in the lobby and he was telling me about ultra running. And I was like, Whoa, I was like, I thought, I thought the top of the day was 26 miles. I'd never heard of a race longer than that. And he's from California and he was telling me about Death Valley, the Badwater race and all this. And I'm like, I was just in awe. I'd never heard of a hundred mile race. So I thought that was really fascinating, but I had no, at that point I had no desire to do a hundred mile race. I said, I'm just going to keep pounding these marathons out. I'm going to get all 50 States in. So in, um, 2010 so had been running marathons for about five years and uh, you know it really wasn't fast but i was sub four hour but so middle of the pack and i was just kind yeah. of volume doing it to see how many marathons i could run and yeah it was 2010 it was um memorial day weekend i was on my way to one of the restaurants on my motorcycle it's only a six-mile drive. I didn't have a helmet on or anything. I was in broad daylight, and we there was some weeds along the highway. Um, they were right up on the highway. They were about five or six feet tall, and I was clicking along about 60 miles an hour, and a big old collie ran out in front of me, uh-huh. and I hit the dog, and it just turned the wheel sideways and ripped the handlebars out of my hand and went over the bike. And I was getting ready to face plant into the pavement when my right foot got caught in the the brake. Well, actually, it got caught in the brake deal, and it mm. it kind of caused me to um, stop, and then it ripped loose, and then I went. So instead of me face planting, which it looked like I was getting ready to hit the pavement face first at sixty miles an hour, I did a somersault, and my foot. But but before I even hit the ground, my right toe had been snapped in half, and I was already mad before I even hit the ground. It happened fast <laughs> because yeah. I was a runner, and I was like, okay, my right toe just snapped off. But, uh, you know, anyways, so I, I, it flipped me into a somersault before, in the air. My first contact was my right shoulder, which had broke my collarbone, and then I landed across my back and hips 
and just flipped on down the middle of the road. Well, that first impact, I ended up with 46 broken bones and a lot of <sighs> internal injuries. But the very first impact shattered my uh, right collarbone, my back in 10 places, 21 of my ribs were just obliterated. They weren't just broken. They shot into pieces into me. And then my oh, pelvis wow. was broke. Holy and, smoke. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't have a scratch from above my shoulders. So I was fully conscious when I stopped and I knew, okay, this is honestly, I didn't even know anything was broke when I quit rolling. My clothes were shredded off me basically from the asphalt, but, and my shoes and I thought I just had a bunch of road rash. I, I was mad because my toe was broke and I didn't even understand that. It, I didn't understand I had any more broken bones. So I landed on this hot pavement cause it was, you know, late May. And I thought, man, if a car comes by, they're going to squash me. So I rolled off to the ditch and I waited for the first car to come by. And when I went to go stand up to wave, wave them down, my body was just like jello. And I knew that I was in bad <sighs> trouble. So I obviously I couldn't even stand up. And it basically my lungs and everything, one lung was punctured. They were both collapsing. Um, fortunately, when I was marathon running, my, re my resting heart rate during that time was about 34, 36 beats. Um, <sighs> Per minute, that was my rest and heart rate, but I didn't know what factor it would play until um, later on. But I, I was starting to kind of black out because I was kind of gasping for air, and I knew what was going on, so I stayed calm. And when the ambulance got there, they called in for a helicopter, and I got life flighted um, to Topeka, Kansas. And the doctors had told were they. I, I honestly thought I was going to die until I got on that helicopter, but I don't know what those guys did, if it was drugs or what they did, but I knew <laughs> when I got on the helicopter, I was going to make it because they made me feel a lot better. <laughs> so, and I don't know, I mean, because <laughs> yeah. I was able to breathe again. And um, yeah, yeah. when I got to the hospital, they said if I wasn't a runner, there's no way I would have made it because my low rest and heart rate, um, my my body didn't need, require as many beats to get oxygen to my lung or something, but he said it helped out a lot as far as, because wow. I had no lung capacity. So if, if you're a runner, it's possible, but you know, the doctor could have been just trying to make me feel good too. I don't know, but <laughs> he said that it had a major factor in my survival and at any, any rate. So as every runner does, I asked all the doctors and specialists, which I had numerous ones in the hospital, you know, how soon can I run? <laughs> how soon till I run? So I had went through, I had to go through surgeries and stuff. And cause you know, that's as a runner, that's honestly what was on my mind. And well, yeah. they, you know, doctors said, you know, I, I'm not trying to depress you or anything, but you may want to consider a different hobby. And uh, and they said, you know, there's a good possibility you may never run again. And so at that point, I remember it well when they said that I made my mind up that I would run again. So I did run again. So that happened in 2010. And one of the first things I did, well, this is kind of stupid, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. 
I got out of the hospital and they released me and I went out and I started running. Well, apparently when my ribs, my ribs, my ribs had healed up, but they left some rough edges in it. So I went out and just ran 20 miles and then I had to go back into the hospital because my lungs were collapsing because I'd cut up my insides and they were bleeding internally and collapsing my lungs. So then they punched a hole through my, well, I had one already, but they punched another hole through my front ribs, put a chest tube in me to get rid of the fluids. And I was like, okay. So then um, I had an ongoing issue and I was going to have to go through a thoracic surgeon to get it cleaned up. So at any rate, that's how that's how serious I was about running. But I learned from that. Okay, I better wait a little while longer. <laughs> so this happened in uh, 2010, and February. Uh, okay, I went back to running, but I was slower than molasses. I was like, man, I don't want to be. And this is no offense to anybody else, but I didn't really want to do marathons at five and six hours. You know, I just right. I I, I don't know. It, it was just really tough for me to go slow but i found out that i could run further than i I used to hit a wall when i ran the marathon i used to have trouble from 23 to 24 where it just seemed like and and i noticed i wasn't hitting the wall when i was doing these longer runs but i was slower so i looked at ultras i I remembered about (laughs) dean carnassus and I said, well, I'll start out with this uh, 50K, and it was called the Black Warrior in Alabama. And one one thing I did do, I, I do have a current pilot's license on the airplane, and I used this airplane to fly all over the United States to my marathons. I'd run the marathon, <laughs> hop back in the airplane, and then fly back. So I took my wow. airplane, and I flew, I flew out to Alabama. And the highest point in Alabama is um, Mount Chihaw. And, uh, which I've ran races there, Pinoti 100 goes through there. Mm -hmm. And, but this, this was the second point. And I remember the the airport was called Posey airport. This is the second highest point. And the airport was on a flat top there and it landed there. So this was a pretty rugged, um, technical trail race through the, the hills and, I ran it in, I think it was six hours and 15, I think it was six hours and 13 minutes for 50K. So that was my first 50K, and it was in February of two, uh, 2011. So it was less than a year by three months of my accident. What? So, 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 so when, how long were you in the hospital after that, you know, after so, the accident? Th- this is crazy. I'd have to ask my wife. I believe it was like, two or three months. One of the problems I had was they had me drugged up so bad. That whole portion of my life was just a blur. I mean, yeah. like I, they, um, I, I couldn't even comprehend time. And, and then I, I, I was in there so long. It, it, it didn't seem like it because I was just basically in a sleep or something mm-hmm. because of the drugs. And one thing yeah, that yeah. really I, I hated was it's like, I just felt so worthless. And I, because mm-hmm. every time I get up, there'd be pain. So they give me something and then I just yeah. basically sleep. And yeah. I said, well, I'm, I'm one first thing I did to get out of the funk was I made my mind up. I'm going to just take myself off these drugs. So mm-hmm. once I got to where they were having me walk around and stuff, and I didn't have to rely on an IV, you know, I kind of, and I told him, you know, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to put up with some pain, 
but yeah. I just don't like being zoned out and um, not not being with it all the time. I'd rather have some pain and mm-hmm. know what's going on. And so I pr- that that got me out of the hospital pretty quick because I was able to kind of think and you know. But yeah, yeah. Um, it it was um, I started running again in. So it would. I got out of the hospital, and I think it was in August that I went out and I ran that one that messed my run. And then I had to go back in and get a <laughs> chest tube in. And then yeah. I was only in a couple of days on that one. And right. then I started taking it smaller. And by September, I was back to a full training deal. I was just wow. slow, but I just made my mind up. In this race in February, I think it was like the second week of February when they hold the Black Warrior 50K. It's it's somewhere in there. It might have been the third week, but I just focused on training for that race. And the other thing I yeah. was doing different was I was converting from uh, road running to trail running. So yeah. Yeah. It, I, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I ran in road shoes for a while and um, <laughs> I just, I, I mean, trail running was a whole different animal, which I love. I don't even like, like to run on roads anymore. I, I you know, yeah. I, if I do, it's usually gravel or dirt roads, but I just, that was the biggest thing I did. So you, so in 2012, um, exactly a year later after I ran that, I would complete my first 50 my or excuse me, my first hundred miler yeah. um, at Rocky raccoon. And it's held the first week in February. And then I ran, I believe I ran two or three other hundreds that year. I ran the Hawk 100, which it's kind of a tough race. I think yeah. currently I have seven finishes at the Hawk. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty technical and tough. Um, I ran Heartland and Lean Horse. Lean Horse was a rail, my first rail trail, but it is up a little bit, you know, five or six thousand feet. So there's a little elevation factor. Yeah. But that that was my first year, and I was just hooked on the hundred mile race. And it, um, yeah, it's pretty funny looking at your ultra sign up because it goes from like you know you got some fifty k's and fifty mile, you know, and then yeah. when you kind of hit the hundreds there's there's a few others in there but then it really 2013 on it's like <laughs> under mile 100 mile 100 mile <laughs> yeah yeah and once i got hooked on that once in a while i'll do a 50 miler but it's usually part like for example there's the heartland challenge and they put a little challenge in there with the 50 mile and the 100 mile combo race so i'll go ahead i'm up for that you know I'll yeah yeah for train and run but typically I only concentrate on hundred miles. So when we met each other in 2013, I was pretty new to the game as well. And that, that was a, I've been some, okay. My first hundred mile race at Rocky raccoon was just torrential downpour. It started, it was just <laughs> freaking crazy. There were so many drops. It was freezing. A cold front came in and I said, I'm not quitting this sucker. And yeah, my son was crewing me. He didn't know what he was doing. I didn't know what I was doing. Well, he missed my, in the middle of the night, I needed a jacket and he had fell asleep at the last aid station, which I tell my crew now, I don't care if you sleep, but go to where I'm going, not <laughs> exactly. where I've been. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I wandered around the aid station hollering for him, never could find him. I was getting hypothermic. So I had to finish the race with, I mean, I was freezing and that was my first race. So 
I, I kind of learned a lot there. Now I, now I carry a cheap poncho with me all the time. It saved me so many times. Yeah. I, I just, it's, it doesn't weigh much. I carry it. And so when we met in uh, 2013, now I'm going to go back on memory. That was a torrential downpour flood race, right? Yeah. That you remember one. Remember that C- Cajun coyote? Yeah. I was yeah, going man. to waste high water. <laughs> so, so I, I remember it, uh, of course it, it was my first, so, uh, I, um, it got really cold, which is, you know, we get cold every now and then in Southern Louisiana, mm-hmm. but, but, uh, I remember it being in the thirties and, uh, I was, see- I thought I was hallucinating, but I was actually seeing little snow flurry. So it was, it was, no, you weren't because when I got done with it, it took me like 29 hours to run that in the cold. Yeah. My car was an ice cube. It didn't really ice on the, that. So the car itself got ice on it, but the ground never got ice. Yeah. So it, well, it got down a little below freezing at some point. That was, I, and now I, you know, I had the privilege. I had tra- I trained on, on that course. And so I, I did, I did pretty well for my first one. And I was, I was um, in my parents' camper defrosting and when, right. that, when the rain hit. And so, uh, man, yeah. You know, I was I was super super lucky, and it wasn't long after I finished, and so and I saw the pictures after, and what everybody had to wade through in that. Oh cold. yeah, that was that was a rough one, man. That had to be. It tough. was. So Ooh. yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of a I'm just a finisher, you know. I'm just trying to finish, <laughs> and once in a while I get lucky in place. It depends on who shows up, basically. But I kind of set a goal. If I'm going to PR, typically I'll I'll do it on a rail trail or something where I can just run the whole thing with no obstacles, but usually yeah. I just kind of focus on cutoffs and just trying to get in the, the buckle and finishing. So yeah, at mile 60 on that race, it just started torrential downpouring. I mean, it, it just was crazy. Yeah. So it was a five twenty mile loops. So that loop number four was terrible because mile 60 through 80 and then 80 through a hundred the rain had let up, but it got colder. And then that that was the flood time. Like there's little dips in that race and portions where a lot of it would be uh-huh. knee high. And then you're running waist high water and the water's fast flowing. And I bet it was a crazy race. I, I think there's a lot of DNS on that race, <laughs> but um, yeah. At any rate, um, I loved that course so much. I went back every year after that for the Cajun coyote Um think i ended up with five cajun coyote finishes before the race no longer exists and then i've got a couple lou which is the same course finishes um but yeah louisiana is one of my favorite places to run and i got of course i do the red dirt one now as well which i love that course but yeah um, i've got a i've i've done the i helped uh you know when Edie we were looking to she wanted to do another race and we, you know, we found that. And so we went scouted out together and, and, for, you know, kind of helped with some of the preliminary getting it set up in, in the first year. And I've gotten to go back and run the 50K at Red Dirt, but I haven't, um, I, you know, with me being involved in it and, and, you know, Edie's a good friend of mine. And so I need to, I need to go back over there and run that, that hundred mile. Cause it's, I, I love that course. I love the race. I love the people big time. And so, yeah. so, uh, yeah, I've got to get back over there and, 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 and run that one and eat some good gumbo. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a fast course for a trail race in a way. I mean, it's, it's, it's got a little bit of everything, you know, it's got hills and sand and 
but overall i think it's a pretty uh yeah it's comparable maybe rocky raccoon on the speed side of it you know yeah it's got some up and down and uh, it's got some some sand in it too but it's um but it's not super technical um no you know not a lot of roots like like uh like lugaru not a lot of those roots get you man (laughs) and and the ups and downs are a little more gradual than lugaru yeah uh, well, uh, so, so yeah. And so you got to, uh, I'm looking at it right now. So you, 2013, that was, that was crazy. And, and then like, um, I mean, you, you just, you just kind of kept trucking and you started doing some of the, the Kansas, Kansas grand slams along the way. Yeah. Um, so I, fi- I figured out, um, I didn't realize that the first couple of years I ran 2012, 2013, you'll look most of my hundred milers are spread apart. There's one missing on ultra sign up, um, kettle Marine in 2013. It was in June. I okay. need to, I need to contact those guys about that. And I got, I got a couple others missing like, but, um, anyways, I, I didn't run a whole lot the first few years I was, you know, and then they had a slam, um, when does it show my first slam? Is it 2014 or 2015? Uh, 2014. Okay, so they actually had the slam in 2013, but there's a race called Honey Badger that I'd signed up for, and it's a requirement of the slam. So I was actually going to try the slam in 2013, but there wasn't enough entrance in the Honey Badger, so they called the race off, and they didn't do the slam that year. Gotcha. So in 2014, I was ready. So basically, the slam, of course, is for 100 milers where they add the total times up. And the two required races, well, the first year, all those races were required because there was only those four in Kansas. But now there's there's over twice as many 100 milers in Kansas. (laughs) So now the two required ones are the Hawk and Honey Badger which the hawk, in my opinion, is the toughest. But, but a lot of people worry about honey badger because it's so hot. I mean, the pavement's like 160 degrees. There's no shade, <laughs> and you're running you're running across Kansas in July. And, yeah. um, it's a, but it's got a 36-hour cutoff, but it's only taken me usually – one time I did a sub-25, 20, and I had a battle with uh, Wyatt. Yeah, um, I remember Hawkmeyer that. For first place, he uh, – <laughs> He beat me by a minute and a half. I mean, we were neck and neck for since mile 60. I caught up with him around mile 65. And I, I mean, I tried to pull away from him and he wouldn't let me. He tried to pull away from me. And then he just flat kicked my butt the last. I mean, I thought my heart was going to pop out my chest. I tried to keep up with him. I was like, yeah, I'll just take a second. But, you know, I mean, I, it, it was crazy. He has a pretty good, uh, pretty good stride i mean but yeah i I don't um, know if you know this but he he we him and i live in the we both live in owasso here in oklahoma in fact i saw him yesterday we were we were riding i saw him running and and he um yeah, him and I have run together, uh, you know, a few times, and he 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 told me the story about you guys, you know, you guys kicking it at the end and trying to, and and I yeah. I love I love stuff like that. That's fun, you know. It's a good friendly competition trying to. It, trying it to get was. It. it was great. Yeah, I I love Wyatt, but we got to know each other pretty good. It's kind of funny because we have two completely different styles. Although I have changed my style a little bit. Like my 
my claim to fame and a lot of people accuse me uh, say well you just blow through aid stations so i'm not a aid station person like when my crew my wife which is usually my wife carrie she like hands me my stuff and i go a lot of times i don't even break stride and to me i just tried not to waste any time (laughs) in aid stations but even on some of my recent sub 24s now i won't do it all the time but one or two times during the race I actually sit down for two minutes, and when I say two minutes, I mean two minutes, and I'll I'll chug a beer and yeah. maybe eat a little bit, and I'll but I'll what I'll do is I'll get ahead of my projection and reward myself with that. But basically, I was eat and go, and yeah. it was funny because Wyatt went Wyatt stops and this, and he's like, "Hey, um, and this is during the race. I'm, I'm sure he'll remember." He goes, what do you say we both stopped for a while? And I said, I said, no, nah, it's just not, I don't stop in aid stations because some of the guys that influenced me early that I learned ultra running said the aid stations were the killers of the race. You know, people get in there and they sit down and, or they go to a fire and then it's, you know, crate, you know, it, and then they don't want to come back out, you know, and you lose a lot of time in there. So <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah. I was sticking to, I was still a new, somewhat new runner even though that happened a few years later and I, you know, I wasn't trying to be rude with him, but he, he basically, let's say, let's go take a five minute break and then we'll start at, and I, I just don't do that. And I'm, I was a terrible runner early on. If I stop and go now I can do it. I don't know why, but I usually used to have a hard time to get, get back going if I stop. But now it's, it's kind of like anything goes anymore. I, you know, I've done all different styles and, <laughs> If one isn't working, then I'll, you know, do a do a different one. And one one of the first races yeah. I did is uh, this was really crazy. It was um, uh, Prairie Spirit, and it was in a blizzard. So I ran down to Iola, and I was ready. I had a complete wardrobe of snow gear ready. I had um. Gore-Tex Solomon running shoes with metal spikes on them. And I, nice. I mean, I was ready and the blizzard hit. And when we turned back up North, the winds were gusting 40 or 50 miles an hour. So I did a complete oh, clothes man. change and we were running North in this blizzard. It got up, I think it got up 11 or 11 inches of snow or something, but it was, it was drifting horrible. Like some of those tunnels you run through, well, what, the one before Richmond in particular was completely whited shut with snow. I mean, the whole tunnel was <laughs> solid snow. Wow. So we ran up and over the road. But at any any rate, it was just crazy. And I got to Richmond, mile 88, and the park service had called the whole race down. They shut the whole race down. Oh, and it's like 5 in the morning, and Eric Still, which was the race director, he extended the cutoff till. 1 p.m. because of the weather so i had like eight hours to go 12 miles and the sun was getting ready to come out and the it, it was one of the most that was my first dnf you know it's it's just like my heart got ripped out and they, oh, they shut man. the race down and i was feeling good because i was dressed appropriately i had the right gear on but unfortunately a lot of people didn't come prepared they were calling 911, search and rescue was going out. People were getting lost. If you can believe that on the Prairie Spirit Trail. <laughs> yeah, they were I don't lost. know how you get lost on that one. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess what they were doing is they were getting, they were freaking out and getting to the 
where they crossed the roads and they'd run down a road and try mm-hmm. to find the vehicle. Well, there was no vehicles out in that stuff either. And yeah, so that, that was like another wild experience was running in a blizzard. Um, but well, I, um, I'd ran so- some races up in Minnesota like that where they didn't even bat an eye. You just finished it. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, well, one yeah. was, one was a 50 miler called surf the Murph. And it was on Halloween day. Yeah, you know, it's probably, I think that one's on my ultra sign up, but that was a freaking whiteout blizzard. It was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, I had one of my, um, I, I, uh, I ran, I, I ran the Kansas fall extravaganza, which is the fall version of, of that mm-hmm. race. And, um, that was my, I think that was my first race in Kansas. And I was like, man, it's only, you know, three and a half hours North. And so, and I went and I, I at the time it was my, my hundred mile P are you know it's a rails to trails out yeah. back but it got so cold it wasn't we didn't get yeah. a blizzard or anything but i remember my um my my tube my bladder tube kept freezing and i yep. was like this is ridiculous i had to tuck it into my shirt so my body would keep it defrosted uh so i could drink man um and the winds whipping across the the you know the plane there were you know it was cold <laughs> it was, yeah it was More, i've ran the combination of the spring and fall one i think i have about nine or ten finishes with the combo of that same race and there are a few hot years there there were some tough hot years but most of the time on both sides it's going to freeze you out at night you know and yeah only one time snow fell but yeah, it gets cold at night. <laughs> well, and I did, I went back and did, um, I, I did that one October of 2017. And then in 2018, I went and did the Prairie Spirit. Um, and it got a little warm during the day, but I was able to, to get a faster finish and ended up, you know, ended up, uh, uh, winning that one but 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 it's a, it's a cool course and i tell people that's a great pr course if especially if the weather's good you know if it's nice and cool yeah and it's not a blizzard <laughs> you know yeah, yeah um that is my that that is my pr course i've run i think my three fastest times there um nice my pr is just 22 hours and 37 minutes which i did on the I think it was the spring one I did that on, but I've had some good fall ones too. The other place that might be a good PR course that I thought was a fast course was Tunnel Hill. Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of people, a lot I of, think I've the, never done that one, but a lot of people have, yeah. It, it's tougher than the Prairie Spirit, but I think it, yeah. it's got more heels, and but I think it helps, in my opinion, on 100 miles. They have a little... It, a little more heels here and there, but nothing, nothing crazy, you know, but it does have some I, heels. I, I agree. I agree. Give, give you to kind of change the muscles up, even if it's, it's, right. it's, um, you know, it needs to be a little, a little more than, I mean, Prairie spirit has a little bit of slight up and down, but it needs to be a little more than that. So you get some variation in, your, in what you're using, you know? Yeah. yeah. And Prairie spirit's kind of weird because you think you're going uphill for long stretches just when you run it in the daylight and you are actually, if you go back and look at your elevation stuff, but it's deceiving. Sometimes you're running downhill and you think you're running uphill and, but it, it's so <laughs> minute that you could just run the whole yeah. thing, you know, you can't tell, but it, yeah. it, it kind of fakes you out when you look at the distance. Cause it looks like it's always uphill, but it's not yeah. it's both, you know, so. <laughs> 
Well, so, and, and, you know, you, and you were right when you said that, you know, you saw the hundred milers and you, and you never looked back. And so you, you went from doing, you know, a, a few of them, the, when you first started doing the hundreds to, I mean, you started just racking, racking up multiple, yeah. multiple hundred milers per year. Now, a lot of people will do, you know, one or two or, uh, what's the most hundred mileage you've done in a year? I I, I should have added Ooh. that up before, but <laughs> me too. I you know I'm not honestly I'm not sure. It might be twelve or thirteen, but this year, just so you know, um, I was going to try to do between thirty and thirty-five. I really had my eyes on thirty-five hundred milers this year. Wow! And I'd already completed seven before the coronavirus started to cancel my races in March. <laughs> um, I did do one that won't be on there that we did together, you know, in Tulsa. Yeah. Um, that's I, I don't know if that's ever going to count or probably never be on ultra sign up. But so, you know, I got that one in. But yeah, I've had my next 800 milers canceled. Um, oh, I've got man. two two alive in June, possibly one of them's the black Hills, which is a tough one. I've done that before. Um, I heard that's a beautiful course though. It is. It's, it's gore. It's a, it's a must do hundred miler. Um, it, it's got generous cutoff. It's got 34 hours, but for me, I needed every bit of that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. well, the th- thing about the black Hills is it's horribly hot in the daytime. And it's yeah. one of those where I was actually, it was actually in the twenties at the turnaround at night. And oh. I mean, it's, uh, and it's about 102 to 104 miles somewhere in there. So it's a little long, but yeah. it, it's one, I have more trouble in the heat on that one. And, mm. um, a, a cold, I, I, I thrive in the cold. I do get in the cold, but you know, I can train for the heat. I've done well, like a honey badger when it's over a hundred <laughs> degrees air temp and the pavements hitting 160 or whatever. I mean, based on a heat, using a heat gun, that is. So, yeah. So, so just, 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 um, just so you know, like I thought about, because I'm familiar with some of the, I haven't done Hawk yet and that's on my list and, and I, Mm -hmm. you know, but I've, I know a lot of the people in Kansas and, uh, I thought about, and it's right near us. So I thought about doing the slam or whatever, the honey badgers. One of the reasons I'm like that, that just sounds beautiful, man. (laughs) That's what everybody says, but honey badger to me, it's a piece of cake. The hawk really? is, I tell everybody that does it, and they all say I'm right afterwards. I say the hawk is the race you need to worry about. That's it. I mean, if you're a finisher, you know, that yeah. if, if, you know, finishing in front of the cutoff isn't an issue with you, maybe you don't look at it that way, but the hawk's got a 32 hour cutoff and they're, they're firm on it. You know, you, you, you're 32 hours and one minute, um, it yeah. don't count and you're out of the slam. Cause I know some people that lost that they got disqualified from the slam by finishing over to cut off by wow. just minutes. But, um, fortunately I, I, I don't know why I've never DNF the Hawk, but that that's kind of used to be my home training course. Um, so I used to get up every Saturday morning and drive to Clinton and I, my buddy was Darren Sneedwin, who kind of got me into trail running. And he used to own a bunch of course records. And he, his first breakout race was he won Kettle Marine one year. But he, he, I think he still has some Kansas course records. I'm not sure. He moved to Colorado, and he's not really involved in ultraing anymore. 
But he taught me and also Sherry Clover, which is the race director of Hawk. He kind of taught us to run both together. And we both ran our first 100-miler, which was Rocky Raccoon, together. But in 2013, one reason I didn't run a lot of 100-milers is I actually had six six surgeries that to rebuild mesh and stuff from my accident in 2013. So what I would do is I'd schedule a race one weekend and then have my surgery scheduled for Monday right afterwards. So I killed two birds with one stone. So while I was recovering from my race and resting, I was actually, I got surgery and recovering from that. And then I'd bang, go again. And so I actually scheduled my surgeries around my races and they just thought I was crazy. So it was actually Sherry that was the race director of, um, she is the race director of the Hawk. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, that she gave me the name Iron Will, and a yeah. lot of people still call me that, and that's where uh, that name came from. Oh, she was really? The first well, person that called me that. Yeah, and that's that's and one of the uh, one of the things that I, that I was going to bring up. Yeah, <laughs> Iron Will. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. She. Um, it, it was just because it was just so crazy. Um, and one of the surgeries I actually had is I had some intestinal infection issues. So I had, um, and I, I had a, a colectomy. They took out 20 inches of my intestine that just wasn't doing good. And I yeah. thought I was going to have to have a bag when I woke up. That was a bit, very big, strong possibility. Fortunately, I got lucky. And as, as you know, I, I don't know how well you know from Louisiana, Kristen X, he has some um, digestive issues as well. So her and I spoke yeah. a lot about, you know, and she's got a colostomy bag, but, and, yeah. and she's an ultra runner and she lives in Colorado now too. But, um, yeah, she's, she's so, good, you know, we kind of, stronger runner. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were kind of on the same way when you know, we could relate and she had paced me down there a couple of times at, Cajun coyote, maybe at Lugaru, I can't remember. Yeah. But you know, I could kind of relate. So I I had like a lot of issues eating and holding food down for a while. But in any anyways, 2013 was just a nightmare year for me. But I was able mm-hmm. to get in some hundred milers that year. But around around the surgeries and um of course I'm having issues again recurrently. Um but you know it's it, it hasn't slowed me down too much on the run, and I've just dealt with it and learned to cope with it. So, yeah, yeah. So, so you uh, you were signed up for a bunch, and you were trying to. So, how many how many hundreds have you? Do you know how many you completed so far? Um, I think I I think it's around sixty three or sixty five. Um, there's three that aren't on there. One of the Prairie Spirits is missed and Kettle Marine. Yeah. And then I guess if you can't, I don't know. And that, uh, Tulsa urban one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, right, right in there. I haven't like really counted technical, but my goal is to try to get to a hundred, hundred miles. And I was wanting nice. to really knock that out in the next two years, but this Corona deals shown a real wrench in my plans. And I, yeah. I'm just hoping we can get back to racing soon. I don't know what's going to happen with that. So, yeah, I know it's, it, it it's, um, I don't know. It's it, even when we get back, at least at first, it's going to be a little different, but you know, right. I, I think, um, 
I, I think for some some of us, I know I'm pretty, you know, we're used to racing kind of independent, just doing our thing. I mean, what we did, our virtual race in, in Tulsa, you know, we just kind of handled our business, you know, just got out there and did yeah, it, you know. You, so. you know, what's crazy is Rocky Raccoon, I've ran that seven times. And yeah. it's, some of the years I went there, they had, well, even last year, they or this year, I guess it is, they had 100K and a lot of times they used to split the 50 miler and the 100 on different weekends. But there's been 750 runners on that course, and that's a 20-mile loop. But I've ran for hours on that course and not seen a person. Now, they've yeah. changed the course now. It's it's a series of out and back, so you see people coming and going. But yeah. back when it was an actual continuous loop, even yeah. a race that big, you can go many hours without seeing a person. Well, so, you, and you, yeah, you know, as well as I do, a lot of these races, um, you know, especially ones kind of like, um, well, you know, they're out in backs, the, some of the ones in Kansas and all, but I mean, I've, I've been in no man's land for so long, hours and hours and hours, you know, and there's nobody to get infected by or to be or for me to infect, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and one thing I, where I live, there's no other runners around here. I, I train with some marathon guys you know, back when I was telling you about the 100-mile pie, but once I switched to trails, I, they tried it a few times, and they said, this is crazy stuff. You know, they didn't, they hated the trails. So I, <laughs> I have to solo train around here. I, I actually solo train, and I'm not driving to Lawrence anymore, um, but I used to drive there and meet up with those guys, and they, they still meet, the Trailhawks, they meet every Saturday morning, but I just kind of got out of that routine. But other than that, I've had to yeah. train on my own, so I'm used to, you know, running a lot. And I, maybe it helps me in the 100-miler without running with the company. I don't know, but, you know, I've had to just train out here where I live on my own because I can't find anybody to run with. So. Yeah. Well, you you and I are in kind of the same boat with that. I Because of I, I do run at, uh, every every now and then with somebody, but that's the exception. You know, maybe maybe a couple of times a month I'll, I'll get a run in with somebody, but most of my runs are early in the morning, early. And, and I, you know, what you said, I, I think it's true. I think it kind of helps with um, just getting in your own head and just moving forward. And, you know, you get used to just pushing yourself and doing your thing. Yeah, I, I I think so. And, you know, those nights in the 100 miler, um, I, there's, I'm going to say maybe six or seven races total that I've finished before the sun comes up. Um, and th those were all rail trails. But at yeah. any rate, those long nights, I mean, they can suck the life out of you. And it, it, uh, you, you, most of the time, you never see a person. And, one of the most eerie situations was Cajun Coyote. One time it was just solid fog. I mean, the whole night. So your headlamp bounces off and gives you a headache. And it was just real eerie. The visibility was terrible. And it, it wasn't the rain year. It was another year there. But um, that that was just really crazy because you couldn't see it was, the fog was thick and like you couldn't see in front of you and the headlamp would just deflect back off. But it, uh, that one comes to mind as that was one of the eerie, eeriest nights that I'd ever ran through. And then I don't get them so much anymore, but early on I used to get these crazy hallucinations that, you know, from <laughs> sleep deprivation and it, you know, it, 
nights can just be really weird. And then when the sun comes up, you get a blast of energy and you finish strong or I do anyway. So, yeah, 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 definitely. Definitely. Uh, well, so, so you're, I mean, your goal is to next, you know, to try in the next couple of years to, to get to a hundred. And so your first, you said your first hundred was 2012. So you've, you managed, I mean, 63 to 65 in, in a pretty short period of time, man, even with having multiple surgeries, um, you know, dealing with life. I mean, you're a busy guy, man. You got restaurants, you got you working, you know, and 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 you're still running. So, you know, when people say they don't have time, um, yeah. Well, one <laughs> you know? thing I do that's kind of deceiving well, is I used to train a lot, and now one nice thing is when I started running two, sometimes three hundred miles a month. All I do is run 100 yeah, miler and just taper right in the neck. Sometimes I don't even run a step, but most of the time I can't take it. So I'll go out and I'll just run some three mile runs. And like, that's yeah, like yeah. a breeze, you know, and I'll, I'll do a yeah. few of those between them. But typically sometimes yeah. if I'm really tore up by it, I'll just not even run a step and I don't miss a beat when I show and it's crazy. So if you run back to back hundred milers, like weekend after weekend, and all the runners I've talked to that do this, like Rini uh, down in Texas, and mm-hmm. um, even Arnold, uh, yeah, you probably met, or Arnold the guy, uh, oh yeah, Gay, no, no, um, yep, no Arnold will, and Kathy, and you know they've ran back to back hundreds too. And the one thing we've noticed is it the first, the most troubling is your first fifty and you're you're running on dead legs and somehow your body gets with it about right around mile 50 so the second 50 is easier than the first 50 and it sounds stupid but <laughs> you go in and i don't i don't know how to explain it but whatever they told me it would be like that and, and it, it's true i mean it's just weird your body kind of just drags and <laughs> and then it gets with it when you run them that's when you run back the back ones but if you go into them fresh it's the other way around you want to yeah. take off like a racehorse and then die at the end, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah. I'm a pretty steady, I'm a steady runner. I, a lot of, I've actually had a couple negative splits and several within minutes. Um, a lot, some of my fastest miles are after the sun well, comes up the second and, day. And that's when I like, the you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hello? Well, one of the things that, um, you know, with the name, uh, Oh, hey, you there? I got you. Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? I'm here. Okay, cool. Yeah, Can you hear me? Yeah, all the kids are. Uh, yeah, I got you. Okay. All right. So, yeah, one of the things with with your name, uh, Iron Will, is uh, you know, and that's what you're known for. You just you just steady, keep on moving. You know, just keep pushing forward and and doing your thing. And so, like when I heard that that you know somebody call you that, I was like, that is a great nickname for Will. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like like I said, it came early when I when I first got in the hundreds, and it was more because of my medical problems, and I kept you know pounding them out, and I I I just wouldn't give up. I mean, I just kind of pushed through stuff, and um, I'm trying to remember. I should probably should put my ultra sign up in. I can't remember. I had that major colectomy surgery, and. Well, I ran, um, so on that major colectomy surgery in 2013, I should have that 101 flat rock on there. And the 
I finished that on Sunday, and that's a pretty tough course in Kansas, Flat Rock yeah. 101. I had surgery the next day, <laughs> and I'm not sure when the next uh, – I either ran Lean Horse or Hawk maybe later that year. It might have been Lean Horse. So, and that, that would have been yeah. in August. Yeah, so it, you know, it put me down for a couple months, but one of the main reasons is back then it was hard to find a hundred. Well, no, I was signed up for Honey Badger, but they called the race. So <laughs> it's hard to find hundred milers sometimes in July and sometimes June, but June's gotten a lot better. But, yeah. you know, even, even 10 years ago, there's a lot of, it was hard to find hundred milers, um, if you're wanting to run them every week, you know, but now that's not an issue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but of course now it is with Corona, but yeah, but normally it's not an issue. Well, 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 Will, so you, you got into running, you know, um, you know, after, after your dad passed and you did, you did the, um, you know, how, how many, I didn't even ask how many, mar- do you know how many marathons you did before you got in your, your accident? Um, I think I'd only, ran maybe around 30 of them or so. Now that's, that's actually races that, you know, counted. And of course, you know, after, and once you get an ultra running, you sometimes run two marathons a weekend just for training. But yeah, um, yeah, exactly. But yeah, not count. I mean, official ones, I, it it was right around 30, you know, I, okay. And, and so, um, I mean, like, so you, you're kind of like a lot of us, you know, when you're, you're, you're in, you're all in. And so, I mean, um, you continued on as soon as you got better, you know, you, you, you switched it up and started doing, you know, ultra started doing the, these hundreds. And, and I like that you, you know, you're setting a goal to, Hey, to do a hundred, you know, it's good to have, good to have those goals and, and, and all. But if somebody asked you, you know, like, why do you keep doing this? You know, you know, the big thing for a while was what's your why, you know? Um, yeah. What, what, what would your, I mean, what, what's your answer for that? Well, early on when I ran hundreds, I, I kind of did them in honor for my dad. And I also ran a lot to raise money um, for kids with cancer. Um, okay. And so a lot of times I just, I didn't want to let the kid down. Like when we met each other in Cajun Coyote, I was running for a, a boy with cancer. And so I'd always think about, you know, what that kid's going through and stuff. And yeah. I'd never quit, but now I, I run them more or less for, so I work a lot and a lot of stuff I do stressful. It's just my release. I feel, hmm. I feel better when I run a hundred mile race, even though it's horribly painful, obviously yeah. it, it just makes me feel good. And it's it's my release and i i look forward to, i mean there isn't anything more favorite than i to do than a hundred miler in, in my mind right now so yeah. but it wasn't like that early on early on it was like you know this really hurts and i'm killing myself but i'm <laughs> thinking about my dad or i'm thinking about this kid and and and, that, and a lot of times that was great motivation to get me to the finish line but now it well, I learned a lesson. At one point, I thought I was automatic, you know. Yeah. I, I just show up and finish. Well, I, a reality check hit. I DNF Lou Guru. Mm. Um, not uh, two years ago, maybe. And I thought, okay, that was. I don't. I don't know what happened. I just lost focus, and 
it was horrible. I, it was just a long drive back from Louisiana and I, yeah. I just felt terrible and I don't, I was like, okay, that was really weird. And hmm. so then I went to uh, Rocky Raccoon, a race that I've completed seven times and I DNF that one. And huh. what I, I turned, it wasn't anything physical. I just actually lost my mental focus and just, I don't want to say it was my, my, it kind of was my will, but I figured out that my problem was mental and I don't know what I'm on a string now with no DNS, but I'm on a pretty good one. But, you know, I had a few other problems later on that year with some DNS. I mean, I had more DNS two years ago than I, I'd actually got 25 of them in straight without a DNF, 2,500 milers. Wow. And I had the feeling of, it was just, you show up, you get your buckle, you show up, you get your buckle. Well, Lou Guru, you know, blindsided me and I thought, okay, that was a fluke. And well, then my very next race, Rocky Raccoon did the same thing. And then I had a, that uh, basically it was, you know, I, and I've, a lot of runners say this and I really believe it too. You know, running hundred mile races is 90% mental. I mean, I mean, you get, yeah. it's nice to be in physical shape, but for the most part, if you can walk and run, you can beat the typically a 30 hour cutoff and you right. don't have to be a superb athlete, but you do have to be mentally ready. Like when your legs don't want to go or when something hurts, you got to look past it and you got to be able to cope with pain and that's all mental stuff. And, you know, if you if you lose your mental edge in a hundred, that doesn't matter. I, I've seen some phenomenal athletes DNF hundreds time and time again, but I, I it's not because they can't do them; it's just because they lose their mental focus. You yeah. know, I've I've been so. there. Yeah, <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely been there. Um, so, um, so you you you've done all these, and I, I have to mention this um, because because she she's a pretty amazing person, uh, and she's sweet as can be. But your wife, number one, allowing you to do all this, but number two, she's out there crewing you a lot of times, and she's she's uh-huh. a trooper, man. She's just she's in it, man, and she's she she takes care of you. Yeah. So so I, I need I need to give you an opportunity to speak to your precious wife, you know, or, or talk about her. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, she's awesome, and I've, I've had all my PRs when she's there, but, yeah. you know, it, it, it gets rough, you know. She gets burned out on it because crew. I, I've crewed for people, and it just, it, it's horrible. I mean, it's, sometimes it's fun, you know, um, but it's you got to wait a long time, and it's boring, and, you know, I'd rather be running, but, of course, yeah. she doesn't think like that, but it, a lot of I've had to drop bag a numerous, a lot of my races like Louisiana. Um, I think she's been down there with me two or three times. And I think I have eight or nine finishes in Louisiana, but yeah. she loves it down there and stuff. But a lot of it is getting away from the restaurants, So I can't use her. And a lot of times she gets burned out. So I lay off her and give her a break. But then there's certain races. I say, look, you have to, like honey badger. You have to have a crew, and she hates right. crewing that thing. And I, <laughs> I think I have six. Well, I finished it every year they've had it. I'm the yeah. only person that's finished it every year, and crew's a requirement. And I, and then what was the other race? She was upset with me. I told her, might have been 
let's see, cold water. There's some races I look at and they're tough. And like, like I said, I'm just a finisher and some of them like cold water rumble. I finished within the last hour to cut off and she crew, but the crew and really speeds up your racing because she has my stuff ready. She can refill my hydration pack fast. And it's just pretty much a handoff. Sometimes we utilize two hydration packs. So a lot of times I don't even break stride if I'm racing for cutoffs, which happens to me a lot, (laughs) you know, and and, um, like there's a lot of times that people say, there's no way we thought you were going to make the cutoff. And, you know, but like I said, I'm a strong second half runner because I tried to run the race even throughout the thing. So I do have a lot left at the end if I need it. And the, the other thing I look at is, I've got another hundred miler to next week, or I got a hundred miler two weeks. I don't want to totally trash my body. I've got to save some back. So that's the other side of running multiple hundred milers close together. You just can't go out and say, I'm going to go sub 24. And then you got a hundred miler next week. And I, I don't want to risk a DNF because I want to go in there, you know, halfway with some legs, but yeah, yeah she, she's amazing. I've used, um, um, w- I got two boys and a girl. They've all three crewed me um, a couple times. Usually, usually they all basically hate doing it, you know, so (laughs) it's just boring. You know, I I think my daughter's crewed me twice now. Uh, My middle son's crewed me twice. My oldest son's, oh, he's crewed me twice. So they're all even. They've all crewed me total of six races out of all of them I've done. And my, and then my wife's probably crewed me for the other half of them. Um, I, yeah. I would, pro- I'm not sure how many I, I've ran with drop bag. I ran a lot of them without crew. Yeah. But I, I'm I, not- I do this. I do the same. Like I, I, um, like I think both times I raced uh, up there in Kansas, you know, I just drop bagged it. And, um, I, I, I kind of, there's a small part of me that kind of like, like, I don't know, it takes a little bit of pride and just, just figuring it out myself, you know, no pacer, no crew, but, um, but some of them, like you said, you know, especially when I do some of the big ones, it like, uh, when I got in the States and some others and, and Jen, Jen will come out and crew me. My parents have crewed me at like Arkansas traveler and it's a help. It's nice. And it kind of, you look forward to seeing somebody, you know, you know, <laughs> yeah. And that, and that's really nice too, even though I feel bad because a lot of times, like I said, I'm best and bet they hit the cutoff. So I, but it, it's kind of cool sometimes now like I said, I've started this routine where if I'm ahead of the game and doing good, I'll reward myself by sitting down for two minutes and chowing on some food mm-hmm. and slugging down a beer. And and then two minutes isn't a lot of time, but I get that's more time than I spent with her than, you know, previous. It was, you know, hi, bye, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. you know, but I've kind of changed. I, I, I kind of think in a weird way it helps that maybe stop once or twice for a few minutes. And it seems like I, mm-hmm. I was rewarded with my pace after that. Um, oh, I agree. It, I agree. I agree. So yeah. I'm kind of changing a little bit, but I can run my old style if I have to, I mean, I've blown yeah. through the aid station. So, yeah. Well, have you yeah. found, uh, your, um, you know, just, 
especially since running the hundreds, I mean, you, you learn endurance, you learn to push through the hurt, the pain and all that. And I don't know, have you found that you sounds like you were always just kind of a hard worker and all, uh, do you find that you run well because you, you're just, that's just kind of who you are or did you find that, you know, you kind of discover that and that just kind of helps you in everyday life, helps you cope with other things, you know? Yeah. I, I think that's a lot to do with it. I've always kind of been the underdog. And even when I played sports um, in school, I was one of those. I wasn't naturally gifted. I had to just bust tail just to make the team and be be varsity. And I had to really work. And I had hard worth ethic in, uh, in sports. And, you know, I... Yeah even even with my business my competition right now my main competition is pizza hut of course they're normal they're number one but i've had to go <laughs> up against the big guys so i'm kind of a little guy going up against this big corporation and so you know i've kind of always been that uh you know where i've got to work hard for what i want to achieve and then it really feels good of course when you do it accomplish it so yeah. Well, I mean, you, you've done this for this long and, and I mean, you've really slugged out, you know, a lot of races. And, and so, uh, I, well, I guess, I guess I got three questions for you. Um, okay. uh, do you, do you haven't done a whole lot of like mountain races or anything like, you know, like, uh, you, I guess you've done a, a few, but you hadn't done a, like in Colorado and stuff like that. You ever think about doing some of those, those big, you know, elevation yeah. races? Yeah, um, there's one I want to go to in June. Uh, it's a new one. Um, I think it's called Macy's Hideout. I don't know if you've heard of that. No, I haven't. It, it, it looks pretty brutal. Um, <laughs> it does have a, it's only got, the thing that concerns me, it's got 30, no, it's got 36 hour cutoff. It's only got 22,000 foot of elevation gain. Um but and it's average between um, most of the races ten to twelve thousand feet of running. It does have a low point of six thousand, um, but it looked like the average was between ten and twelve thousand. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, if I go into Colorado right now, unless they change something, then I got quarantined for fourteen days. Yeah, and that's not going to work. So I'm hoping that gets lifted because I really want to go to that race. It's in June. Now huh. I've done Cruel Jewel, which it has like thirty three or thirty four thousand feet of elevation that, gain, but it's yeah, it's not at high altitude. But I will tell you about Cruel Jewel. It's like running through a steamy jungle of a hundred percent humidity, and oh, like man. even the horse flies and everything attack you. But um, the breathing there. You know, I have ran races and well, I've ran marathon. I ran Pikes Peak Marathon in okay. Colorado. I ran the Scent. Um, so I'm familiar with running at some high altitude, and the air is drier. Um, but you know, it's thinner. But yeah, yeah. I'd say Cruel Jewel and that high humidity, and you know, Louisiana can be like that yeah. too. Um, yeah. It's every bit comparable as far as your breathing, in in my opinion, you know. Yeah, yeah, but I think so. It, I think so. It, yeah. But so you know, just because it, you know, some of those things, 
and and Black Hills is up a little bit, but not not like Colorado. I I want to say six or seven thousand feet, um, but it's still yeah. over a mile. And yeah. you know, so there's a few, and then the Coldwater Rumbles a mountain race in Arizona. Um, mm-hmm. Trying to think yeah. of some others. Yeah, but you're right. I need to I need to hit some of those Colorado ones. One oh, of the I'm issues not- I. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not well, belittling what you've somebody. done. You got some good ones. It, it, they're just. I just. No. Like, I, I fell in love with a lot of those. You know, the mountains. The, the you know the big mountains and stuff. When I'm out there, and I, I haven't done nearly as many as I want to. You know. Well, but one of the things I ran into trouble with a lot of them. They have stipulations like you got to have uh, so many volunteer, and I do help out on some races. Rock and K in Kansas is what I help out the most with. But yeah, you got to have you know yeah so many volunteer hours and you know it's not Tra- like trail service hours yeah yeah and it's and then out in california i've crewed um tony clark from wichita on badwater and of course mount whitney we ran up and then uh last year i ran salton sea and although it's across the desert you go run up a mountain at the end of that one as well yeah. um and then there was also a little mountain deal in the middle too. I forgot about and same thing with Badwater. There's, I, I don't know if you really want to classify this mountain, but Father Crowley. And there's a few aggressive hills, I guess, but they're really foot hills. And of course, Mount Whitney's the tallest mountain in the lower continental United States. Right. You know, at yeah. Badwater. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, and then um, I've ran um, some in the Appalachians, which. I mean, yeah. I, I guess a lot of people overlook them as being mountains, maybe because they don't That's have true. thin air. But you know what's different about Black Hills and the Colorado Mountain? Okay, so most of the Colorado mountain races, I've noticed, and I've ran, I've done some training out there and stuff. There's a lot of switchbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, they they go back and forth. Even Pikes Peak, they got the W's. Well, one thing I noticed about Cruel Jewel in northern Georgia and also the Black Hills 100, there's no switchbacks. You're going yeah. straight up and you're going to go straight down. So it's harder to run up and then you got to deal with it going down because it's too steep and treacherous to go down. Like, yep. And even Pinoti 100's got places like that. Like the, you got the, the place out on the backside of Chihaw they call Blue Hell. That is completely unrunnable. I mean, that's like thirty-minute mile territory for anybody, oh, in my opinion. Man. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's just big rocks, and it's you know, but it's not that long. It's I, I think it's only like a mile or two of the hundred that you got to deal with that. But it might be, I think it's about two miles. Might be three. I don't know, but um, it's slow going. So you know, in a, in a way, some of the trails are more runnable. Oh, when you have um when you got the switchbacks the aid you know with the steepness and you can make better time overall yeah so, yeah but you know that's just my opinion but yeah you know no, that's cool that's i do cool. have colorado races on the plan so <laughs> nice so and that, that that goes to the next thing i mean how 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 long are you gonna i mean are you gonna get to 100 and and you know uh just keep on I'll trucking keep going yeah, 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 I figured that. I figured. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep going. That's just kind of my, you know, my goal. Um, there was a guy I, I ran with, and I learned a lot from him. And his name was 
Matthew Watts, and, and unfortunately, he passed away last year. Just surprisingly, I, I I was just running with him a lot of races, and we ran we shared a lot of miles together because we were about the same speed. And his goal was to break a hundred miles and or hundred hundred milers, and I think he was at ninety six. Um, Wow. I, you know, I keep in touch with his wife a lot and my wife knows her cause she crewed for him and yeah, it, it, it was just crazy. And it, it may, it makes you think though, you know, I, when he passed, I, I thought, well, I'm just going to keep doing 12 to 1400s a year and eventually I'll hit my goal of a hundred. Well, um, he, the last race I seen him at, was Prairie Spirit last year, and I'd seen him at Rocky. I'd seen him at three because we were pretty much regulars. He ran a lot of races. I ran a lot of races. I'd see him all. He, you've probably seen him at Cajun Coyote because he's been at Cajun Coyote, real big, tall guy. But his name was Matthew Watts, and you know he gave me a lot of advice. Um, he'd been at it a lot longer than me. But really, what made me think was, you know, he was healthy and running and running faster than me some races. And then he just passed away and it made me think, you know, well, maybe I just want to get as many in as I can because you never know what the next day is going to bring. And yeah, so yeah. that's one of the factors I thought about, you know, well, I'm going to first I was like, I'll do 25. And then when I started pumping them in, I go, well, I think I can work in the 30 or 35 realistically this year. Of course, mm. that's all blown up. I've got a ton of them. I'm on the, I'm, registered for um in the fall and for some reason they're not putting them on my ultra sign up like i've paid for a bunch of hundreds that aren't on there and i yeah. don't understand if that has something to do with corona or um what's going on with it but like when i go to my registration it shows that i'm in there and paid for it but they don't put it on my ultra sign up but basically my whole fall weekend starting in september is I've got back to back hundreds or at least one every two weeks. So hopefully uh, we get back to race and then I can crank some serious hundred miler skill out. Maybe I can hit 20 or 25. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, you know, and, and, and I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll celebrate with you, man, when you, when you hit that, when you get to that hundred, whether it be in, you know, next year or, or even the year after, that's still a huge, <laughs> huge accomplishment, yeah. you know? <laughs> I, I think, uh, realistically, well, it's possible next year's possibility. It depends on how soon we get back to racing. So I don't want to, yep. yeah. I was thinking realistically, it might be the year after next year, but if, if they yeah. come back in the summer and if I can get the Black Hills in in June and and then Honey Badger early July and Lean Horse is still on and then I can I mean we can yeah but it's it's just hard to see we've never seen anything like this coronavirus still and yeah it's yeah. we don't I I don't know <laughs> you know yeah. I thought I'd yeah. be I thought I was going to make my April races and they all got canceled so um, yeah yeah I had a crate. Let's see. I lost three, three one hundred. I was doing um, Potawatomi hundred, and I, that's another one I mentioned. If you see that on my ultra side, that is a tough race. It used to be called McNaughton, and uh. it, it's the same course, but they got it. It's Potawatomi one hundred. It's got some serious elevation. It's in Illinois, 
Yeah. That is a I'll tough race. I know. Huh. And they got a 200 yeah. miler there too. Yeah. They got 200 <laughs> miler, 150 and a hundred miler. And, wow. um, it's a deceiving course, but there are some good runnable places. It's a 10 mile loop you do over and over. And there's two good miles of runnable in the 10, but a lot of it, like <laughs> they got some stuff so steep that they, they put a rope out there. You got to use a rope. To get stuff, <laughs> you know? wow. And dang it's uh, and there's two river crossings within the 10 mile loop, but you know, it's, it's deceivingly Illinois. You think, you know, you don't look at that as a hilly area, but yeah. That, that one's definitely one of the tougher races I've ever done. That, nothing's as tough as Cruel Jewel, and then I would say Outlaw's the second toughest race I've done well, in Oklahoma. That, well, that's, that that's is tough. I was going to ask what what are what are your toughest? So Cruel Jewel, and then and then Outlaw, my buddy Outlaw. Jeremy Harrison. <laughs> yeah, yep. Outlaw's tough. Wow. Uh, I think I uh, I think I finished it in forty two hours. Cruel Jewel took me forty seven eleven. Um, a lot of good, a lot of things. It wasn't a steep. Okay, Outlaw's more technical than Cruel Jewel, but yeah. it's not near as steep, and the weather's nicer. It's you don't got that muggy uh, humidity to deal with. Um, so right. overall, yeah, you, know, you finished Outlaw's you, faster. Yeah, you know, yeah, you finished Outlaw in forty hours and forty-seven minutes. So yeah, okay, that's what it was. I wasn't sure if it was yeah. forty or forty-two. So the other thing that's deceiving, though, Outlaw's long too. I I think he he sets it up as uh, two loops, and I think the six mile loop you do. I think there's a fourteen mile, might be a thirteen mile and a seven mile loop, or a fourteen and a six. So the one loop, the upper loop, is a mile long. <laughs> so yeah, and you do it um, five times. So it's a five mile long. Outlaw is about 105 miles. And then Cruel Jewel, they claim is 106, but it it came up on my GPS as like 112. And typically, wow. when you run GPS the whole race, you should come up short on trails. That's my opinion, just by experience. <laughs> and you should never come yeah. up long because you're a lot of times the GPS. If you go back, it cuts the trail, you know, across when it when it reports. Yeah. So you lose miles. But I've heard people say cruel jewels as long as like 114 to 116 miles in actual but you can't really yeah. tell it's so it's so windy and and uh it, it it's and those mountain races i mean if they get they're never going to give you one under 100 miles of course and nobody would really want that because <laughs> if you're running a 100 miler but yeah typically if you're doing a mountain race and I think you mentioned Ozark too. It's long, I believe. So a lot of these races aren't a hundred miles. There a lot of them are 105. Oh, another super tough, the third toughest race before Potawatomi. <laughs> now that you're on that, and you might be familiar with this. It was that Equinox in Mississippi. Have you ran yeah. that course? I oh, did. I my did goodness. back. I don't even remember the year. Uh, I did the uh, the fifty mile. That was my first fifty mile after I had already done a hundred, and that's that's where I met um, uh, Rennie and uh, and Jerry, who who okay. also are serial hundred milers. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, that was a um, that's a tough course, man. So that you you're saying that that's that's probably third after yeah. uh, 
after I, uh, I'll give it uh, a third. Yeah. Um, I believe that one. Well, one of the reasons I finished that one so fast and I asked, I got third overall and I got last place. There was only three finishers and Gary <laughs> finished second. Yeah. So we got Ed, Ed who finished first and he, he would, I think if I remember right, he was a little disappointed because he didn't sub 24. I, I'm not sure yeah. he might finish in around 26 hours. He was Gary at 25. In, yeah. Okay. 25. And then, um, Jerry finished around 30 hours and I finished 33 and a half or 33 something. But at any rate, they weren't <laughs> sure what to put on for a cutoff. And when I got done with the first loop and Ed, of course, said the same thing. It's like, yeah, this thing's like way long. This thing was like um, <laughs> a mile and a half long per loop. So it was like 106 mile because you're probably familiar with uh, Jeff's format. He had the little lollipop loop where you come back yep. to the thing and go back. Yep. Well, I, I think the course was actually a hundred miles without the lollipop loop. And I think the lollipop loop might've been three quarters of a mile in three quarters of a mile out. So <laughs> I don't know if it was an oversight or what happened, but it's, it, it was the same for everybody. So he, yeah. he, he said, well, I'm going to give you guys, um, a generous cutoff. This is the first year. And then it got down to where I was in last place and the only person left on the course. And <laughs> he was really pushing me to finish and which I don't regret it now, but I probably might've finished that closer to 35 hours. If he would have just yeah. let me, if he would have said the cutoff <laughs> is 36, but uh, he told me he would give me things like, okay, you got to be at the next aid station by this or oh, wow. I'm pulling you. So I did it. Oh. And then I did it. And then after that, he said, okay, just finish. He, I think he <laughs> felt bad for me, but I did, you know, I got in in under 34 hours, which I think is what he wanted for a cutoff, but he wasn't really sure because it was a first time race. So he, I, I, you know, it, I, would, I, I would pick that, that back up. Cause that is a, um, it was, I remember it, uh, um, the time of year, it was really hot when I did the 50 there and I finished it. And yeah, I remember it being tough and, and, um, I just remember it being really hot, but man, that was, it, it's beautiful. It's a nice course. It, it was uh, beautiful. What, so the year I did it, what, one of the tough things about it was that it had rained and those steep hills okay. were horribly muddy. And gotcha. it, it was, you spent a lot of time getting up those hills cause you were slipping and sliding. And every loop I came by, there was like less and less yearlings and less and less grass because people were grabbing them <laughs> to pull themselves up yeah. and it yeah. was just a solid mud slick so that first part of the course really slowed you down and then the yeah. other part was a problem and i got lost a few times as well i know jerry did um you know, you'd run into a area that was just a large body of water well mm. when you get in a large body of water a lot of times you can't find the course marking and then you yeah. get disoriented and you don't need, so then you're wandering around looking for a ribbon, <laughs> but like at three in the morning on that course, I wandered around for over an hour trying to find the course oh, and it, that was towards the end part, but I don't, so if it, if it rains on that course, it's a nightmare, but yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that that's uh, yeah. I have to put that out there, man. Somebody needs. Somebody should uh should do should that pick race that again. Up. Yeah, yeah I, would, I think he I was going to do it again, but uh, the park was going to shut down the next year for some trail okay. work. Or yeah. I don't know. I don't even know if that park's back open again. Yeah, so. I have to look into that. Well, uh, well, Will, man, um, 
I, I, um, I, I'm glad we got a chance to visit. I didn't. Even, I wanted to. I, I didn't even get a chance to ask about. Like, uh, I know you. Are you still flying to some of your races, or do, are you just mainly driving and stuff? I, I, I mainly drive. Um, sometimes I'll fly to certain ones. Like I'll fly to the Black Hills a lot or Lean Horse. I've always yeah. wanted to fly down to my Louisiana races, but every time I try, I get weathered out because usually that Lugaroo or Cajun Coyote, it, it's usually the rainy or bad. I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I just fly VFR. I don't fly instrument rate. I have an instrument rated plane, but I just stick with uh VFR. So, yeah. Yeah. um, it, a lot of it depends on the weather, but I, it's hit and miss, but most, mostly I drive. Yeah. Gotcha. So. Gotcha. Cause I, I noticed you post a lot of, you know, pictures and, and, uh, when, when you bring your, I think it's your grandbaby flying or yeah. you worked on the, worked on the plane on, on top of everything else you do. Sometimes you're doing work on the plane maintenance and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, but. well, well, uh, well, Will, I, I, uh, I, you know, always, always enjoyed visiting with you, man, and always enjoyed, you know, watching what you do and just, you know, I, I um, there have been times in a race when I've hit a tough spot and I, and I, I've thought of you like just, you know, yeah. plugging away and getting it done. And even in this last one, you, you know, you're dealing with a little, some medical issues that the one we did yeah. in, um, in, in Tulsa, but you just keep pushing through and, and that's, I don't know if it's, um, it's partially inspi- it's inspiring and I-, I know you're tough and a little bit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> from yeah. So just real, real quick around Thanksgiving the last year, I developed an infection in my stomach and I've had uh, one major surgery and two minor surgeries, but the, there's no antibiotic that will work for the infection. And I actually went to another hospital to get a second opinion and both of them, classified it as what's called a sterile infection, which I'd never heard of it, but I Googled it and it's a thing. So I have an infection similar to MRSA, but it's not MRSA. It's it's in the MRSA family that no antibiotics yeah. will work for. So they actually cut a five inch canal in my stomach to the infection so it can drain out and I have to repack it every day. It's currently still five inch canal. But so all those, all seven of those races I ran this year, hundred milers were with a, you know, five inch canal packed and I had to change um, the dressings and, and to deal with that. And I actually lost a little time, you know, at aid stations here and there, cause I have to change out. I didn't, I didn't repack it during the race, to, like inside the womb, but I had to change the uh, gauze and stuff. Cause, but, and, and of course there's some pain involved too, but um, oh, yeah, no kidding. It, it, it's the way they heal infections that they can't like kill with antibiotic. My body has, my body has to fight it off itself and it has to drain out or I can get sepsis, which is a blood poison. And so that's the reasoning. And I guess that's the old school way they, they did infections and bullet wounds and yeah. stuff back in the day. So and that's the kind of story behind that. I'm fighting a stomach infection, but I mean, yeah. it might have well, been from you, one of the mesh pieces that I got, you know, from the accident too. Is yeah. that's what they thought? Because the ma- the major surgery they did in December, and I missed Lou Guru because of that. By the way, I was going to yeah. tell you that, um, oh. which I didn't want to, but I had that 
they went in and redone the mess and they thought maybe I was having a reaction with that. And it turned out not to be that. And yeah, it, or maybe it was, but at any rate, my body has to fight the infection off and it's getting a little better, you know, but it's, it's going to be a long battle. So, yeah, well, I just, so, so, um, this past, uh, week I, I, I did an interview with an ultra runner, um, who, um, who's, who's legally blind. He can hardly see, but he's, he's still out running. And so now, now we got you who who's been running these hundreds with with an open you know open stomach wound pretty much that's packed, and so uh, I'm not telling anybody to do anything stupid, but yeah, sometimes the excuses that we make are are just that excuses. So yeah, uh, we can but always it, do more than we think we can. <laughs> yeah, it, it's all mental. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not anything spectacular an athlete, and you know, like once in a while I'll place, but it's based on who drops out and who shows up, you know, I'm, I'm just a finisher, you know, and sometimes I get lucky, but my, my goal is just to, just to finish and collect the buckle. I mean, finish within the time limit, of course, and collect the buckle. And that's all I'm after each race. And like I said, it's, it's all mental in my opinion, but I mean, and I've done first, uh, I had more DNFs early on when I, before I hit the 25 straight string of no DNFs because yeah. I was overtraining. Like I, like I got to get this many miles in, okay, I'm going to taper and now I'm ready. But I, I found that, you know, the races I go into with less miles and my body more replenished and I mentally focus are the races that I, you know, pretty much nail and finish more than, you know, the, the training yeah. and that, that's probably not a good example for people to say <laughs> that but that's just what i found by experience you know if you're trying yeah. to finish them now if you're trying yeah. to run like you david and win them you're going to have to train your butt off to get faster you know? well well there's just always to that, finish them yeah, yeah. But there's always the balance man because if you come in overtrained or not you know right. not recovered i mean there's you know, you'll, you'll feel that too. So there's, there's that balance in there somewhere, you know, to, and, and everybody's a little bit different. Yeah. I was convinced when I first started running hundreds for me to train, I had to peak out at 130 to 140 miles a week. And I was doing that. And I just realized that was the stupidest idea. I I think I actually (laughs) went on to a training program and read that, you know, that's what they would do. And then taper for three weeks. And it might've been on actually, Oh, what was that book called that uh huh. I'm coming back here and seeing I'll tell you the name of the book in the second. Okay, I, you know, I don't think I've ever um in in a regular training week for a yeah. hundred miler. I I don't think I've ever gone over a hundred. Maybe 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 once or twice. Maybe once, but uh, I can usually keep my yeah. mileage under a hundred. You know, under a hundred is usually for a hundred miler. Even a two hundred miler, I kept it under a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good idea. Sean, I thought I had this book right in my hand, but it was one of the first ultra books that came out. Gotcha. And yeah, I can't think. I didn't want to well, misquote pe- the name of it. Yeah. Some people get out and, and I mean, some people will hammer 120, 130 or more mile weeks yeah. and, and it, it, it works for them, you know? Um, well, but I it, tried it. it. It Well, here's how it worked for me. I ran the first 60 miles phenomenal. Like we're talking like for a hundred mile or I'd be in, and my first 60, I'd be in under 12 hours. 
And then yeah, I yeah. death marched and about died the last 40. <laughs> Crash and, like, and burn. Was, <laughs> yeah, nothing was under 20-minute miles. But I was so far ahead of the cutoff. And yeah. I found out that walking 40 miles straight is horrible on your body. <laughs> Unless, I, 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 I try, people go, well, you just need to train more at walking, you know? Uh-huh. And um, it's like, first of all, when I have free time, I'm going to run and not walk. And they're probably right. <laughs> But I, I am not a fast walker. Anybody who watches me run 100 milers knows that I mostly run and I'm running at the end. But I'm a slow runner. But yeah. so my slow running is as fast as most people's walking. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, it, my muscles are more forgiving when I slog or run slow yeah. than when I walk. It just freaking kills your hips. It kills everything. I. I don't see how people can walk that long. <laughs> so. Well, you you said walking for you know rough on the body, but that's rough on the brain too, man. You know, to, to yeah, going that slow to the, too. You know, the miles to be yeah, yeah. I mean that that mess. I mean, I've I've walked some distances, but but man, it I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it well, yeah, messes with my brain. Another, yeah, <laughs> a lot of times I'll start walking, like I'll think, oh man, this hurts too much, and I'll start walking. Then I start thinking, okay, I'm going this pace. I got this many miles. It's like, I don't want to finish at noon. <laughs> then, I, then it motivates me to start running again, you know, and to get yeah. in by nine in the morning or, you know. And, um, man, I drew a blank, but it had a red Solomon uh, running shoe on the front of the picture oh. of the book. It was a paper, it was a softback book, and I don't know. Maybe my wife threw it away or something. Yeah. I, I bought that way back in 2011, 2012. And yeah. it, it had these training plans in there. And so uh, anyways, yeah, yeah I, I followed it and it was crazy. I, I I beat the heck out of myself up just in time for the start of the race, you know? Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well, Will, man, I, I, um, you know, we're going to, you know, personally, I'll be in prayer for you, you know, stomach to heal up. And I, I know you're going to keep slugging it out anyway, but I know, you, you know, it would be a lot, lot easier, a lot better, a lot healthier if, if that would heal up for you. And, um, yeah. and I look forward to seeing you again in a race, man. It, it was really good to see you, um, you know, the, the little brief time we kind of met up at the beginning to, to, you know, before we headed off for, for our Tulsa, uh, adventure, but, yeah. but I look forward to seeing you again, man. And, uh, and, you know, sharing some, sharing some trail with you again. Yeah. Likewise. And I'll be running a lot more in Oklahoma. They're starting to get some hundred milers down there too. And that's not too far. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I'll yep. be out in Kansas again, um, before too long. I, I need to go run Hawk and there's a few others I need to do out there. I don't know about honey badger, but there's some others I want to go do up there. So I'm well, sure we'll cross Hawk, paths. Hawk's an awesome course and it's, te- it's technical. Um, I like it, but I like that, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, you'll like it. It's, it's, uh, like Lugaru on steroids. I mean, gotcha. it's similar in a lot of ways, but it's more technical and more hilly. But it's yeah. sim- very similar to Lugaru, except nice. for it's got a lot of rocks with the rips. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, you know. So anyways, yeah. Yeah. Well, man, um, take care of yourself. And during this coronavirus time, man, you know, be safe and um, hope hope business, you know, business will pick up for you and everything. And, and hopefully see you soon, brother. All right. Thanks, David. All right. You take care of yourself, man. Talk to you later. All right. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye. All right.
Bye-bye. There you have it, my friends. I uh, hope you enjoyed that conversation. And look, man, I know things are crazy right now, but man, keep running, keep training, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, Just you got to keep going Uh, when everything else is out of whack. Keep running, keep training. We'll be able to race again, hopefully soon, and you'll be ready to go. Man, I'm looking forward to running some races, man. I'm ready. I'm ready. Remember to check out T8.run. Check out those commando shorts and uh, use the discount code 50-RUNTHERIOT. And hope you have a, a just an awesome week, man. Remember, stay positive. Remember to encourage other people. Um, encourage other runners, man, who are, who are down. Encourage them to, to, to get out and run. Uh, we got to do this right now, man. So uh, take care, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.